I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. Each episode, we'll talk about our weekend review, move on to the main event, which is a main review or topic of discussion. In this episode, it will be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And we'll finish the episode with Film Faves, our list of 12 favorite movies about a particular topic. This episode, the topic will be superhero movies. Woohoo! So, with that said, let's get started with our weekend review. Shanna, what is your weekend review? With my weekend review, I am a huge fan of Grace and Frankie. I love watching this show, and when I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, Frankie, that's who I want to be when I grow up. You know, she's out there with her sage sticks and she's got her sound healing bowls and it's just really, really fun watching her and she gets to have her own little art studio and this is a really great, you know, I'm going a lot into who the character is, but it's really a great show where these two women who are so different from each other come together through a shared experience that happens. Mm. So I really recommend it and I also love that it's not your 30-year-old, 40-year-old. Mm. I'm not even really sure how old they are. I don't really care, but they just seem like goddesses and very powerful women to me. And they're businesswomen too. So it's like, really? This is so amazing. So I really highly recommend that show. It's by Netflix, so it will be on Netflix. And I believe they're on three seasons right now. Excellent. And who stars in, in that show? So we have Lily Tomlin. And then we have Frankie as Jane Fonda. So just as actresses, too, just two completely different women. And what a powerhouse. So my next one is Scandal. This is on Hulu. The latest episodes are on Hulu. And uh, Netflix has it backed up. I'm not sure if Hulu does as well. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and I believe it's the fifth or sixth season that's mm. airing right now. This is the ABC D Washington DC soap opera. Um, yeah, I guess you could put it that way. It's written by Shonda Rhimes, and you know anything by Shonda Rhimes, I'm like, what are you making for me? Because I know of, it's for me. Yeah, creator of Grey's Anatomy and <laughs> Private, Practice, Private Practice, as well as How to Get a Ma How to Get a Man with Murder, get How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> How to get away with murder. Okay, yeah. 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 Oh, we should keep that in. That's fun. Yeah. So, you know, just really strong characters, especially female characters. Okay. And just the arcs that each character has gone through. Mm -hmm. In Scandal, I have just loved this show. It's mm. juicy. It's sexy. It's, oh, it's like, oh, no, that happened. No. So it's like really high quality, super opera mm -hmm. i guess but mm -hmm. really like not just really high quality and yeah, I, I love that the female characters are just really multi-dimensional oh are they they are it's fantastic that is nice uh yeah i've only seen a few scenes of scandal as you've had it on doing uh whatever and i've gotten the impression it's got the high drama aspect to it and there are some pretty incredible things that happen uh from time to time yeah. uh, but this show is often i i the show's in the pop culture eye a lot so i have you know i have an awareness for it and one mm. of those things is is uh it stars carrie washington who, yes i love you carrie yeah if i understand she's quite amazing 
uh, in this. Oh, show. well, anything she touches is like amazing. Like mm. she just turns that character into gold, whatever really? she does. That's how I feel. Awesome. I'm like hashtag biggest fan of Kerry Washington. Yeah, you're not so. alone. A lot of, I mean, oh, yeah. when most people think she feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoy watching Scandal. I, I need to have a high drama so that I can scale my drama in my mm. life. <laughs> and this one helps me put everything in perspective. Um, is there anything about this particular season you've been watching that uh, you want to talk about? They usually jump around in time. Um, and they did that heavily this past season. Mm. And everyone knows how I feel about time jumping. So that's been really fun. And... You know, it was, I don't want to give away spoilers, but of course it's in the political realm Mm -hmm. and they get really, you know, TV shows and movies, they'll experiment with the underworld of politics, but this gets really deep and dangerous and dark. Mm. And I'm like, really? We're going there. Oh my God, we're going there. So it's very cool. Is Is it a show that sometimes seems to reflect what has been going on in the previous <laughs> year in reality with politics okay so sometimes that is the case sometimes like one yeah. scene was really cool where they had this great candidate i mean great as in it kind of reflected a little bit of what was going on in our time mm. and then they just pushed it a little further into ridiculousness where this guy had some sort of gun and he wrapped bacon around it and he fired the gun and it cooked the bacon and i was like oh my god that is so ridiculous so it was really fun how they push it (laughs) they they take something that looks real and then they push it into ridiculousness which is pretty fun so it's sort of a distorted reality sort of thing i think it's just a really like the lens Mm -hmm. if you will is where is the most sinister and what could be more sinister about it very cool amplify it what else uh happened in your week in review so that was what i did by myself and then we just watched bridesmaids ah we're gonna Mm -hmm. jump into our week already okay yes we talk it's your birthday week and so you like to pick some of your favorite movies uh to watch during your birthday week yeah and one of those was bridesmaids Uh, what do you have to say about Bridesmaids? well i'm gonna correct that it's not one of my favorite movies but i thought let me give it a try because Mm. it's got so many actresses from the ghostbusters movies and yeah well it's got uh, Kristen wiig and melissa mccarthy Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And so that was that's why I wanted to give it a second try. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, this time it was really funny. Like, I could relate so well to the mother with the three boys. Um, oh. <laughs> all her jokes, all of them are worth listening to yeah. if you have had any experience with boys. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this woman is speaking truth. So. Yeah, that's uh, Wendy <laughs> McClendon Covey, who is hilarious. And I wish I saw her in more movies. I know she's in TV right now. but She was great. She's great. Yeah. I loved it. She could have been like a... You could have just inserted her into Bad Moms as like a, let's put these two universes together, you know? Yeah, right. That could yeah, have been fun. That would be an amazing <laughs> if, if they treated Bad Moms as a surprise spinoff. And had had oh, that character no, as a have part to be of it. A spin-off. That no, would have been oh, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> Just insert her for fun, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. a big fan of that kind of thing. Yeah. If I could, if I may, you know, it's been several years since I seen that movie, and I forgot how hilarious 
that movie was. Well, Melissa McCarthy was great. Yeah, well, okay, so put it <laughs> in perspective. On the airplane. <laughs> yes, put it in perspective, 2011. I think maybe at that point she had the TV show Mike and Molly uh, starting, but previous to this time, she really wasn't known for being the comedic actress she is this decade. You know, her biggest credit, as I understand it previously, was uh, uh, being a supporting character, a best friend in Gilmore Girls. Oh. And she was a cute, fun character Mm -hmm. in that. Not at all the persona we have today of what Melissa McCarthy is. And Bridesmaids really kicked that off, really exploded her career. I mean, yes, as you said, on the plane, she was putting her leg up and everything. And she's just, oh my gosh. Things come out of her mouth. It's just, she was just so confident in herself, and mm. it was so great. Hilarious. Like, I want to yeah. show my teenage girl this movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, does she need to know about this, 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 and this? But just, just the Melissa, well, yeah. just, just her parts, you know? Like, yeah. look at her confidence. <laughs> well, what's also amazing about that movie, taken in, in perspective, is it was a really great jumping off uh, platform for so many of its stars. Mm. You know, you look at it now, and you see Rose Byrne has a huge oh career now. Oh my god, I love she her. She was, uh, I know she was in a show Damages, I think, around that time, but I really feel like her career exploded with Bridesmaids, because then look at what she came out with after that. She had Neighbors, she was in X-Men, she was in a bunch of she things. She was in Spy in, with in, Melissa McCarthy. Right, Insidious also. And she's hilarious. She's a great comedic actress. She's got a lot of different um, sides to her as an mm-hmm. actress. Uh, also, uh, Kristen Wiig was in there. Um, uh, we have also... Who's the star of Unbreakable uh, Kimmy Schmidt? Ellie Kemper. Oh, yes. She was great. Ellie Kemper is in there. Uh, she doesn't shine as much as some of the other women in the movie, but she has her moments, and, uh, you know, you really see there's something there, and she's mm-hmm. really she's really great in it also. And then you have uh, Chris O'Dowd, who played the cop, the um, Irish cop. That, oh, my uh, word. I loved movie. him. Yeah, he was, he great. was great. He's gone on to do several roles. So it's really amazing watching this movie, which at the time, for whatever reason, Hollywood insiders were like, well, is a female-driven comedy going to do that well? You know, uh, just ridiculous stuff. It ended up becoming this monster launch pad for so many different careers. Um, Mm. So I appreciated it from that perspective, uh, watching it now, and then just just laughing um, more than I remember laughing before. Yeah, this was... I highly recommend watching this movie, um, even with, you know your spouse or your significant other because there's something for everyone on every platform from every background I feel and every time that there was a joke about the boys I was just hitting Jeff's leg like laughing hysterically (laughs) signaling that I can relate to that (laughs) right right because of uh because uh Shanna also uh, is a nanny uh, I've I've looked after a lot of boys though yeah I don't know that it's true. just always boys. There's mm-hmm. maybe been one or two girls out of like the ten that I've looked after. So anyway. Right. So what else did we watch together? Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls. Okay. So Man, I love this. I'll let you talk first, and then I'll like spread all yeah, the love. Yeah. Yeah. I think this. Uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense because this is a cartoon series that you really wanted me to watch, and you've really been anxious to watch uh, get through the the series with me. I think it's a. For those who don't know, Gravity Falls is, I believe, a two-season cartoon series that was on Disney XD. Mm -hmm. And 
You know, I am not a big fan of most of today's cartoons. Uh, most of it seems either the animation style is really angular for me uh, or, you know, square types uh, styles. Or it's just really manic energy and really odd, odd humor most of the time. You know, and I'm someone who grew up on Looney Tunes and this stuff is like for me, a lot of times I can't relate to. But Gravity Falls actually has really been surprising. A, it's surprising it's a Disney series. It doesn't feel like a Disney series. Um, <laughs> Disney's got a reputation for being cheesy and cutesy. very cutesy. That's why they've got the XD channel now. Okay. That's where the in-between falls. Okay. And I'm not familiar with any of that stuff, mm-hmm. but Gravity Falls not only does it not feel like a Disney series, but it also doesn't fit into the characteristics of what I just described most cartoons, modern day cartoons to be. And I was really kind of impressed. It's a slow, it's, I almost want to say it's a slow burn because it takes its time building up. And you, one of the things I was really glad you shared with me that kept me going, especially as I started to see it happen, was it slowly builds to this bigger thing right? There's this overall picture, big picture that it's, it's creating mm-hmm. over its two It's seasons. not just episodical. No. Sometimes it feels that way and sometimes they do have filler episodes every once in a while. Yeah. But for the most part, it's really building this overall tapestry. Well, I think that you feel that it's filler because you haven't seen the entire season. Well, yet. you told me there was a couple episodes that was a filler episode. Like one or two. Yeah. And I'm looking at it very hard mm-hmm. um, because it's maybe the third time I'm watching it. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted to say about Gravity Falls? No, I might feed off of something else that you say. But that's, that's the main points that I wanted to get across. As someone who's not familiar with this stuff and generally doesn't like cartoon new present day cartoons well i think they do a really good job of not going angular Mm -hmm. you know they're sticking to disney what disney knows best and that's all curved yeah if you watch that's true if anyone's ever watched family guy the particular episode where they're changing worlds changing alternate realities there's actually a section in that one when they're um dimension hopping where it's a disney fired version of family guy Mm. And, you know, you listen to the commentary on that and you'll know that's what the style is. Hmm. But, well, with Family Guy, it's more of an adult-centered well, yes, uh, cartoon not... series. And it doesn't have the same issues that I find as with cartoons that are targeted towards kids. I'm just talking about the style. Okay. Yeah, the aesthetics. Okay. Yeah. So coming back to Gravity Falls, I watched this show backwards. So I had everything kind of wrecked for me i'm and rolling my eyes right now it always happens to me <laughs> it does it happened with terminator oh my gosh. there's another movie series you did this too um, no just... i didn't do that that was you that was your fault it was the planet of apes okay right yeah but that anyway yes but anyway this always happens to me so i watched it backwards and i still loved it because i was like what is going on here and so i started recording because i was watching it on dish tv And I recorded all the episodes and started watching it from the beginning. And I was like, what? I wish I had never watched it the way I did. (laughs) So um, it's really great. It has so many little quirks. It's really awesome the way that Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls, 
brings together all these little geeky things. If you're a geek family, it is really well suited to you. If you're not familiar, well, there's lots of little things happening that are, you know, references to the geek culture. And I don't want to spoil anything, of course, but if you look at it, it's kind of like, it's not just one story. It's like little pieces from here and there. Mm. And I might sound cryptic right now, but I really don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Well, you can speak like in general <clears throat> terms of like geek references. Like does a reference to Dungeons and Dragons, does a reference to superhero comics. You know, there's a reference to the Loch Ness Monster. There's a reference mm. to vampire romances. They have Larry King come on as a guest appearance, <laughs> and it's fantastic. So I, I really feel like they marry those things together really well. Hmm. And it happens in Oregon. So anything right. on the West Coast, I'm kind of excited about because I've really fell in, fallen in love with the West Coast. Yeah, it actually, you, if I remember correctly, there was an episode where you actually see Gravity Falls on the map. Yes. And it's like central North Oregon or something like that. Yes. So it's really fun. And they have like Bigfoot, mm. you know, and that's kind of like a, a Northwest thing. Oh, yeah, totally. So it's really fun, especially if you know what the Northwest encompasses. Sure. And fun fact, Alex Hirsch actually has a twin sister. Oh. So he actually based the one character in the mo- in the TV show uh, of his sister with the crazy sweaters. Yeah. You'll know uh, what I'm talking about when you check it out because I know you will. So <laughs> that is Gravity Falls. I love that show. So what is and, your... And week? we've been watching that on Hulu. Yes, Hulu. All, this, all the episodes are on there. In fact, mm-hmm. we got to have a sneak peek at what Hulu had to offer. And when I saw Gravity Falls was on there, I said, and we're getting... This monthly, thank you. Yeah, you subscribe. And, and scandal. So, <laughs> tell us about your week by yourself. Well, I don't have a whole lot. Uh, so, I just have one TV show that I've been watching on my own. And that is, I finally caught up to Happy Endings. Which you can find on Hulu. I think they have the entire series. Uh, I remember, I can't believe this was back in 2011. But I remember this show was one of the most praised shows of its year that it came out and it was able to uh, hop along for a couple years before i think it got canceled suddenly if i remember correctly but i watched the first season of it just to check it out first few episodes and ended up finishing the season because i actually uh, really enjoyed it if you're a fan of friends or any any sort of comedy uh, series, you know, half-hour comedy series that's about a group of friends, that's a huge step towards probably enjoying happy endings. It's a single-camera comedy, so it doesn't have a laugh track or anything like that. Kind of along the lines of New Girl, in a way, in that sense, uh, where you have kind of a hodgepodge. And coincidentally, actually, I just forgot his name. Uh, his last name is Wayans. He's a Way- he's son of Damon Wayans. He stars in this show, and I believe he actually... So he was in the pilot episode of New Girl, and then he left to do Happy Endings. Did Happy Endings for three years. Ended up coming back and being written uh, back into New Girl, which is hilarious. Wait, so how many seasons of Happy Endings are out there? Three. And they're all on Hulu. Okay. But I've just seen the first season so far. 
And it, has, it also stars uh, Alicia Cuthbert, who many people might know from either 24 or the movie The Girl Next Door. And she's definitely showing off her comedic chops, and which I don't think she got to do in those other projects as well. I don't well. think so either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, she plays, you know, sometimes the, the fool and all that sort of stuff. And so she's funny. She plays actually... A member of the group of friends who left another member of the group of friends at the altar. She got cold feet. And I can't remember uh, what what she did uh, right after. Because that's stuff that's dealt with in the very beginning of the season. I've been watching uh, this for the past couple months. So it's my memory of the first, the beginning of the season is a little fuzzy. But yeah, it's hilarious. There's the whole cast is really good. They all get a moment to shine. There's a gay character in it who at the time he I think he played as sort of refreshing as a gay character because he's kind of like a dude that's gay. You know, he's like so against type of gay that you've seen in TV uh, shows before. So he's the opposite of a stereotype. Yeah, he's yes. I think I think, yes, absolutely, 100%, because there's actually a side character that they bring in in a couple episodes who's, like, the exact opposite. I mean, he is so much like the character in, um, well, in Grace, you know? He's that template, you know? So you have that. But you do get gay men out there that are like that. Yes, but I think... But we don't have to just see that all the time. Yeah, and in terms of a sitcom format, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you get to see the this is where we were and this is where we are kind of thing. I think since, like, over the past six years, we probably... we're diversifying our different representations of characters. That's a lot of words. I was going to say we've probably <laughs> progressed further since this character. But he's, he's uh, still enjoyable and fun to watch. And he's a total schlub uh, who mooches off of the other characters. He's what not, on earth is a schlub? You know, someone who just like is going nowhere. He doesn't have a job. He's mooching like off his leech? other characters. Kind of. Okay. You know, but not sleazy or anything, you know? It's just, I don't think he gets called off on and called on it, and sometimes it's the butt of a joke, you know? Anyway, okay, gotcha. So, yeah, it's an enjoyable show, and it's definitely worth checking out. I don't know if it peters out or anything in terms of quality, but I'm going to probably keep watching, And but I enjoyed the first season. Definitely. So that actually is my week in review. Well, awesome. So with that, let's move on to... Main event time! Sparkle, sparkle! (laughs) There there you go. You just created our bumper for the main event. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Let's keep um... that. (laughs) (laughs) So it is time for our main event, which is our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I'm hooked on a feeling... (laughs) <laughs> Shanna loves the soundtrack to the first Guardians. But first, before we jump right into that... No! Yes! <laughs> I think it's always a good idea. Let's talk a little bit about the franchise itself, you know, that the movie is a part of. What our history is uh, with that franchise, our thoughts and uh, feelings about it. Before we move on into our uh, review of this actual uh, movie... So that way we have a little bit of context of us 
and our place going into the film. So Shannon, why don't you start, tell us a little bit briefly about your history with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this in a previous episode that comic books, comic culture, geek culture is not, was not big in South Africa when I was growing up. You couldn't find Batman underwear. You couldn't find Batman hats, Batman comics, anything of any kind of superhero. Closest exposure I got was X-Men the cartoon Mm -hmm. on Saturday mornings. So this was my way in Mm -hmm. to discover what the Marvel Universe was about outside of X-Men. And the only other exposure I got to that culture was through references through other television shows. So Big Bang Theory and Simpsons and Family Guy. Mm -hmm. So when we started getting Iron Man, it was a little jarring for me. Like, I wasn't really sure what to do with that. But I know prior to that, are we counting the first Spider-Man movies? Well, in a sense of familiarity with Marvel characters, that makes sense. But in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it starts with Iron Man. So I'm curious, like, what was your familiarity going into into this uh, franchise that started and, and such? So I had been really excited about the Spider-Man movies that first came out. Mm-hmm. The the real ones. Um, <laughs> we apparently do not acknowledge the amazing ones. No. So that was my exposure. And then X-Men movies. And so when Iron Man came along and he was this arrogant prick, um, <laughs> which I came to realize is what his character is it's his charm apparently all right fine whatever i was kind of pissed because i was like this is what you're giving me seriously i've been waiting how long no wonder why south africa is never going to get any kind of exposure to anything in this realm so i was quite annoyed when the first one came out and it was only when i got to america to watch the avengers film Mm -hmm. that things started turning around for me so i had skipped everything else in between oh no kidding yeah so because i was so mad i was like really you're gonna give me this arrogant prick to deal with this is not super at all so so before 2012's avengers also known as avengers assemble in the rest of the world you had only seen iron man in 2008 Yes, and I believe I saw my brother watching Iron Man 2, Mm. and he was like, no, just give it a try, and I saw something that upset me, and I was like, and we're done. Mm, So I thought it was completely wrecked for me. I had stopped watching Marvel Universe movies. Wow, okay. Okay, so for myself, I grew up a comic geek. I started collecting comics when I was 12 until halfway through high school, And then picked it up again around 2004-2005. I grew up watching the cartoons, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk. I was very familiar with all of these characters uh, for the most part. I had the trading cards in my youth, uh, which was a big, big thing back then in the 90s. There was lots of trading cards. Were your overpower cards trading cards? I, I had, so there is this collectible card game. A role-playing game called Overpower. It lasted for like two, three years. Did not catch on. But I loved it. 
I collected the cards, just had no one to play with. They're not the kinds of cards I'm referring to, oh, but okay. they definitely were another thing that helped me familiarize the different characters and such. That was exciting when you started teaching me how to play that, especially yeah. seeing as how I kick your ass most of the time. You're very, you're very good at the, <laughs> the, the student has become the master. Mm. So anyway, so 2004, uh, I got back into the comics and it was a really great time for comics. At any rate, uh, I was also, I've always followed movie news. So uh, Iron Man came about in 2008 along with the Incredible Hulk. I was, of course, really curious and very much looking forward to those projects. The thing is, though, I knew uh, that this was all intended to be part of a bigger picture. For the first time, you were going to get a bunch of different superhero movies that were all part of the same universe that were going to come together to form a team. A team that's very true to the comics, the Avengers. Oh, I had no idea. You didn't know, so you didn't know about the Avengers beforehand? No, I okay. had no clue. Very interesting. So I, w I was, of course, very familiar. And I uh, was looking forward to this. This is, of course, something that's never been done before in films. It was a big question mark. Could they pull it off? And, of course, luckily, they roped Joss Whedon in to be able to help make it work and pull it together because he's really good at team dynamics and writing for team dynamics. And he's written comics, too, uh, like Marvel Comics, where there's a team dynamic that he's working with. And that worked out very well. Uh, that proved that the series could work once the Avengers came out in 2012. And so I followed the movies very closely and have to varying degrees loved just about every single one. And always looking forward to the, the roadmap to come. And I know that it's hard to believe this, okay, because this is almost 10 years ago. But ever since, more or less, ever since day one with Iron Man, they've always had this big picture roadmap leading to the character Thanos, mm -hmm. right? And that was something that was like building slowly, like with Thor, that was the third, I think that was the third movie that came out that started introducing the Tesseract. I think that was the first movie that was like the, yes, we can do this big picture thing. Mm -hmm. I, actually, I apologize. Thor was the fourth movie. They did Iron Man 2 before that. Yes, because everything's about Iron Man. Well, <laughs> you know, he was the introduction for everybody. Yeah. By the way, it always bothered me that in mainstream media, they're like, oh, Iron Man's a C-grade character. He's not really popular and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like... Iron Man's like one of the most important characters in the Avengers. He is like the co-leader with Cap, Captain America. So it always bugged me. Like he's actually very well known a character. He's not sea level. This isn't U.S. Agent or whatever. You know. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's exactly. <laughs> um, or Namor. A lot of people don't know Namor, the Submariner. Oh, I know him because of our headbands game. Well, yeah, you know him now about it. But anyway. So that's pretty much my history uh, with the series uh, coming from uh, my childhood uh, with it. I'm curious, well, at this point, you know, I think we have, how many movies do we now have in the series? We have 15 movies in the series now. What is your favorite three movies in the whole series so far? So far, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. The first one is... The top one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The Avengers movie is my second. 
Mm. And Avengers Age of Ultron is my third. Okay. Uh, for me, it's probably the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. That was just incredibly satisfying, <laughs> especially as a, a, a geek growing up with these characters. Captain America Civil War, which is what you get in Avengers and just doubled or tripled. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and so that was a great time for me. And then like third favorite is is uh, kind of tough for me, but it might be Guardians. It might be Winter Soldier. It kind of depends on the day. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has never made a straight up bad movie. There's always like at the very least, there's like mediocre to good movies and then it just like gets better from there right where it's like um maybe there's a movie where it has almost as good as many things that are bad about it as good about it you know but it's never like a terrible film that said what are the your three least favorite movies in the series iron man 2 is probably my top least favorite film mm. just crap for me you really think so <laughs> it's just the the villain in that one Whiplash. was just mm-hmm. really frustrating. Mm. Again, Tony Stark being arrogant mm. as the second film, and I'm like, hey. yeah. Well, and that was their attempt to adapt the demon in the bottle storyline, which is a famous storyline where he struggles with alcoholism. Yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, what were the other ones? So the other two are Thor: The Dark World. Mm-hmm. I just. I wasn't satisfied. Mm-hmm. I, I love seeing Thor, mm. uh, but beyond that, I was very unhappy. Mm. Um, and then my third is, it's not one in particular, but all the Hulk movies. Mm. Does that count? Well, there's there's only one, really. It's the Incredible Hulk. Okay. So it's just, it just didn't get me going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What about you? Well, I'm not too much different. I It's been a long time since I've seen Iron Man 2. I don't think it's the bottom for me, but I remember it having so many things it needed to juggle that it just barely pulled it off. I, w- I should really watch that again, though. But I do remember like that was, especially in Phase 1, which is from 2008 to 2012's Avengers, probably the least satisfying. However, you know, the, the, the bottom of the barrel for me is Thor Dark World. <laughs> There's some things that I really enjoy in that movie, mm-hmm. like Loki especially. Yeah. But it has one of the most one of the worst villains, Malekith. Not uh not a villain you let's say that you love to hate. And that was the movie especially though. That was the most egregious oh, example of yeah. this series pulling punches and it really was ticking me off, you know. You were really upset in the well, yeah, because you only have several moments where you're like, oh, wow, is it actually going that far? Is it, you know, it's a little edgy. And then they're like, ha, ha, no, not really. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's just really frustrating. So that, that one is the one I really do not return to. And it's not terribly relevant. You know, the way Dark World ends with uh, Loki, and we haven't seen a payoff to that yet. Good God, that's four years already. I think Thor does really well being in everybody else's movies, though. I Well, and I did like his first movie. I think his first mm. movie is fun. It's not great. It has its, it's, it has its flaws, but it is overall a successful film. But yeah, my third film, 
Well, it's a toss-up for me between Incredible Hulk and Ant-Man because I find in both of those movies a lot to enjoy, but I also find quite a few things that I don't enjoy. With Ant-Man, I think it had the stupidest villain of all <laughs> in it. I mean, this guy is just an idiot. Uh, honestly, several things that he does in it. With Incredible Hulk, you know, I'm not really positive what it was that I... We just watched this, too, recently. I'm not really positive what it was that's like, eh. And I had said recently, I don't think it's among the... Uh, I think it's among the bottom five, but I don't think it's the worst. Again, mm. Thor Dark World is that. But anyway, so that's my... Probably my three, three least favorite and three favorites. With that, do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to say about the series in general or any observations yeah. you've made? So... I really think that they need to give female superheroes a chance. Like, okay. they haven't. I'm really glad that they're doing Black Panther. Yeah. Because it's also... Superheroes aren't just white boys, you know? Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Like... Yeah. The same in the comics, of course. Yeah. So when Guardians came out, it was such a great mixture of characters and such diversity. Sure. Um, yeah. That's why it's probably my favorite. But... Please give the woman a chance, for heaven's sakes. Well, so, I know this has been a hot-button issue for the past three years. And for me, like, because I understood the roadmap that they had created, like, they're not making these movies up as they go. Aren't I, they? I've been No, I, on the whole, I think they haven't. Maybe, like, lately they've been giving into a little bit of fan pressure. But I think, like, on the whole, they've had a roadmap with each of these phases they know what characters they want to introduce what works best for the story you have characters like uh black widow like gamora and uh a couple others that have gone scarlet on witch? a lot of yeah scarlet witch absolutely i love okay her. so yeah. no one can see jeff's face but he did forget about scarlet witch well, i had to remind it's not him. the first one that i mentioned but yeah scarlet witch i was going to say agent 13 you know, there's, there's a great handful of female heroic characters that have been introduced in the series. So I haven't felt as much like there's been a, a void there because I can point to almost a, a half dozen female characters that are all in different ways pretty awesome. There's not a single one that I'd be like, well, that one's shit, you know? Yeah, I just, you know what? I want to see some woman up there. I want to see some white women being mm -hmm. superheroes. I want to see some black women being superheroes. I want to see Latino women being superheroes. Mm. Give me something, you know. Well, and also it's a matter of what characters do they have to draw from okay. that are a part of the Avengers themselves, too. You know what? I don't want to hear any excuses. You know why? Because the movie industry can write things however they want. And making someone bunny ears worthy of having their own movie. Yes, you mean quote-unquote yes, worthy. Yes, the quote-unquote worthy. Okay, yeah. Of having their own female superhero film. Like, don't play with me. Like, mm. it's been, what, 10 years, you said, since we've had all of this? Yeah, almost. And we're only getting a female superhero film in a year, right? Uh, 2019, I think? February 2019? Oh, my God. So I have to wait another two years. Well, you got Black Panther coming up, and then you have Avengers Infinity War, right? And then there's Ant-Man and Wasp. So you got the Wasp coming in, uh, another female character. And then after that, 
I believe you have Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, being introduced. I think that it's a puss-poor excuse that, oh, you have to look at what female heroes are within the Avenger team to draw from, when in actuality, Mm -hmm. in the comics that are happening right now, they're Mm -hmm. changing the way characters are. They're making Thor a woman. They're... Yeah, I mean... They're changing things up, and... That's all very, very recent, though. Uh, I mean, that's, like, way beyond when these films started. Yeah. I mean, but give me, like, three female characters who've been around that you think should have been already uh, moving on their own. I can't give you that. And the reason I can't give you that is because I don't have the history of superheroines. Okay, fair But... Give me someone who does know and who feels like the essence of a character would be great up on the screen, Mm -hmm. because I know that's a possibility, and I will eat it up. Yeah. And that would be great. But anyway. Hopefully hopefully you'll enjoy uh, Captain Marvel when that comes out. Otherwise, I'm fairly happy. Yeah. Like. Let's segue into our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. on your shoulders now whatever you do don't push this button because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead now repeat back what I just said no No, that's the button that will kill everyone try again from the trailer to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. As you might have learned from our previous episode, what we like to do for our reviews of movies in our main event is start with what we thought was good about a movie, move on to what we each thought was bad about a movie, which will then segue into general thoughts about the film before going into spoilers and final thoughts of a film. So, Shannon, after all this <laughs> after all this talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you yourself said Guardians of the Galaxy is probably your favorite movie so far in the series, what do you think was the good in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? So, going to the movies, mm-hmm. it was such a great experience because everybody was so stoked to be there, mm-hmm. and everybody was waiting to see Baby Groot, and when Baby Groot appeared, like, the crowd went wild, you know? Mm. So, it was very 
a very nice movie-going experience mm-hmm. uh, for me. So I really loved Drax mm-hmm. in this film. I loved how he changed from... He was pretty morbid and sad and angry in the previous film. And in this film, he's really letting his humor like go crazy. Yeah. So um, that's true. Yeah. He laughs from his belly a lot yeah. in this film, and it's just so magnificent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just love it. I just I, I love him, and I felt like Baby Groot, of course, was just amazing and cute and mm. adorable, and want to take him home. Mm-hmm. The new characters were really great, mm-hmm. and I loved the repeat characters. I loved their evolutions in this film. Okay. okay. So that's what I loved, and I didn't get too spoilery. So- right. There's actually, I, I should have uh, pointed out, there's not a lot that's really shown in the trailer to give you an idea of anything specific. So... There's a lot that we're going to avoid talking about until we get to the spoiler section. Uh, because going into this movie, even after watching the trailer, we didn't really know much. And there's a lot of things that are revealed, certain character arcs, certain things about characters who uh, play a big factor in the story that you that isn't revealed in the uh, trailer. So we're going to avoid talking about that sort of we stuff. We will contain ourselves... As best as possible. <laughs> yes. Until spoilers. So for me, there is a lot to like about this movie. Sure, the experience was a little difficult for me because it's never fun sitting next to a kid who doesn't know how to <laughs> shut up. You know, but that's not the movie's fault. And, you know, I powered through it. But there is a lot to enjoy about this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Drax is a highlight of the movie. He makes... He has a lot of funny punchlines. You know, in the first movie, it was him just not understanding turns of phrase or just figures of speeches or whatever and just, like, taking things... The or, metaphors. Yeah, things <laughs> being very literal. You know, like, yeah. his, his one of his finest lines in the first one is, uh, you know, something about... Nothing something, goes over my head. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. <laughs> I would catch it. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't get that so much in this one. It's really mm-hmm. more... It's really more about his interactions with the the dynamic of the family, of the group, right? Well, it's like he's experiencing it for himself and playing back. But also, this is a character who loves to... He loves the thrill of things, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's part of his fun in this film is he is having a blast he loves like he's a he's almost like an adrenaline junkie yeah you know and he loves the thrill of things he loves experiences and he's just kind of that that party animal in that sense where you know (laughs) you don't want to mess with him but he loves to experience things and have fun but i also love groot in the movie he's not I don't want to oversell Baby Groot because I think there's a danger of really overselling what he does in this movie. It's really just little things here and there of how he's animated and his youth, youthful look that is fun. The movie knows what the audience liked in the first movie. Yeah. And that is up front in the very beginning of the film where you are getting three things 
that people really loved in the in the first movie. You're getting music, you're getting baby Groot dancing, and you're getting uh, action. Mm-hmm. You know, and the characters kind of working together. And I think that works really well. In fact, the first five minutes is really good. Really, really good. And it's actually the first five minutes is in the trailer of uh, the movie. And I predicted that would be the case. Mm. The movie is not about what you see in in the tra- most of the footage of the trailer. Mm-hmm. I also really like Rocket in this movie. He's not so much the comic relief in this film. Uh, no, he, that's Drax now. <laughs> yeah. He is kind of pivoted a little bit where, yeah, he has a couple funny moments. But really, he's more of a... He's where some of the emotional development of the movie comes through. And they really work to get at the core of what makes Rocket tick. Whereas in the first movie, I feel like it was just hinted at. In the first movie, you know, there was the moment where Peter Quill and Rocket were captured and they had just gotten showered. And you see the Mm -hmm. glimpse of Rocket in the back having all these cybernetics implanted, you know. It just kind of hinted at it. And this movie really goes into more depth of what is at the heart of who Rocket is, you know, and why he is how he is. And, you know, we get a little bit more of Yondu and all the characters that you enjoyed from the first movie all shine. They're all a lot of fun. The action's a lot of fun. The sci-fi action is a lot of fun. Uh, the, the effects is, is great and dazzling and always convincing. Never took me out of the movie. The main drive of the story, for the most part, worked. I... And I did have a couple mild issues with this one where I didn't with the first one. And I'll get into that in a minute. Why don't you start by talking about what you thought was not good or bad about the movie? Well, I felt like where we started in the movie with Yondu made me very uneasy I feel like they could have tweaked that just a little bit. Yondu, we see Yondu at first on a essentially sex worker planet. Yeah, some sort of a town along the lines. Yeah, just the way they had him, it was really, you know, it was in the little details. But for someone like me, the little details are big details. So Mm. he zips up his pants, you know, you've got about four different... Uh, sex workers behind him mm-hmm. and which are robots it seems yeah but at the same time it f- it, it doesn't matter because no i'm just saying um it doesn't matter if they were a different species that you know that was their thing you know yeah. it just made me feel uneasy i feel like they could have depicted the bad place yondu is in in a different way yeah, I mean, I didn't have the issue you have with it. I thought that it was it made sense for the character. It was true to the character. Uh, this is a character that you would find in a rough town. Uh, it's provided various different vices that people may want to enjoy, like gambling and some sort of like paid sex. You know, the I do think that them being robots does add an extra extra wrinkle because um, these are things that are created for a particular purpose when you think about it 
But it's not, I mean, it's like, you're talking about a, um, a one-minute moment. Um, yeah. It really just kind of sets the tone, and it's really more about what's going on in, with his face that uh, kind of lays the groundwork for where he's at emotionally uh, in the, the beginning of the movie. And so, so I felt like I, I felt like that just needed a tweak of mm. some kind. But not a big deal. It was just for a second I felt awful. And then the music, I felt, wasn't as energetic and as gripping as the first one. Mm. It, it was a completely different mood. So, yeah, yeah that's all I have to say about things that I wasn't particularly fond of. Yeah, the thing about the music is, well, the movie is a slightly different mood than the last movie, I, I feel. So it makes sense that the mm. music would be. I liked the songs that were selected for for the most part, but I actually I have an issue with the songs for a different reason. The creators of this movie, probably particularly James Gunn, the director, he definitely got the message that one of the things that people loved about the first movie was the soundtrack. The soundtrack yeah. did very well in the sales, by the way. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, okay, well, let's give them more. They almost like featured the songs uh, as though it was a character on their own. And it really felt forced sometimes to me, uh, less organic than it did in the first movie. It isn't constant where it feels that way to me, but there was a, probably two, maybe three occasions where it's like, you know, this doesn't feel necessary. It feels a little uh, gratuitous. But again, like really good songs. Fleetwood Mac's The Chain is a heavily featured song. The opening song by Electric Light Orchestra is uh, really good. There's a song called Brandy from a band I've never heard of before, but I've definitely oh, heard this song. <laughs> okay. It's not a very famous uh, band, but it's definitely a song I've heard of before. Yeah. That features very heavily. The songs are really good. Yeah. But I just felt like the the effort in featuring songs was a little hard. The only other thing that I think did not quite work for me was the what they do with the character Nebula. I can't really go into specifics because we'll get into spoilers, but I will say just in just broadly, they try to make her a little more appealing. I don't think that's the right word, but I see where you're coming from. They make her more sympathetic, that's for sure. And whereas in the previous movie, I felt like she was... She was just, for the most part, a bitch. A very angry bitch. And that was totally fine. She served her purpose. She got away in the last movie. You knew that she was going to come back. I feel like that she serves her purpose in that way, and she comes back. And I'm totally cool with that being her thing and her being a villain. And I, I would be totally cool if something were to happen to her. And I won't say that that isn't necessarily the case, but they do more with her, try to make her more sympathetic. And that just it just didn't click with me. We can talk a little bit more about it if you'd like in spoilers, but that was the only other thing. Uh, otherwise, 
my general thoughts for the movie is I had a lot of fun. I laughed out loud a lot in the movie, (laughs) and I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's probably not in the top five of the overall franchise, you know, just because there was just a couple things that just didn't quite click for me. It's still a really good, really good movie and and worth checking out. Uh, Do you have any general thoughts about the movie before we move into spoilers? I am very tempted to go see it a second time. Oh, yeah? During... You know, maybe while kids are at school or something. <laughs> yeah. Not, it wasn't that bad because <laughs> I wasn't next to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had my turn on other movies. Right. So I, I would just like to go and experience it with you know just adults or very few people. Yeah, yeah, that'll take a while because this um, thing's gonna be a hit. Yeah, I loved it too. And I thought it was great, and I loved all the arcs that the characters went through. Yeah, I love these characters, just very simply. I love these characters, and I really look forward to seeing these characters interact with the Avengers uh, next year. At this time next year, in one year, actually. (laughs) I always get the best birthday movies. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, all right, with that... We're going to move into some spoiler talk and final thoughts about the movie. If you haven't seen the movie yet, we definitely recommend it. I give it about a 7 out of 10 uh, for those of you who follow on the Facebook page or the, the blog. You know I like to rate movies on a scale of 1 to 10. I put this one at a 7. If you haven't seen the movie yet... I recommend you skip ahead to film faves right about now. All right, Shanna, what spoilery talk did you have to talk about? Good, bad, or in in general? Well, there's no mercy in this film. So when Yondu's crew is taken over, you know, you've got his very close circle and they all get thrown out of the spaceship and it's just terrible yeah. it's heartbreaking it's most of them yeah, most of them i didn't recognize though it wasn't like they were fully formed characters or anything i just recognized them visually and just their look they were only on screen for a short time yeah but i felt all their fear and their pain wow okay. you know I, with their facial expressions and like yondu do something and so it was very gut-wrenching i couldn't dig it huh so but it was good it was really good acting it was really well done that's not a flaw like you saw in the movie no or anything. um and i also really loved rocket and yondu's interaction with each other their, yeah the climax of their relationship where you are only going to listen to someone in your deep dark time if that someone else is you well particularly if you have a very stubborn uh personality and that's actually uh, one of the smartest things that they did it's almost like a whedonism in a way where they recognize they're able to recognize in this group of characters these two characters aren't actually all that dissimilar, Yondu and Rocket. They're able to really have these two characters connect. And uh, that really worked for me. Yeah. You know? I love that they did that. Yeah, yeah. That was really good. It's, it's always fun when you're able to mix and match the character dynamics. And that was one that, that was really good, really impressive. Go ahead. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Um, I loved the whole repetition of I Could Eat You coming up again and how Peter talked about it on when he was by himself and Yondu talked about it. 
and it kind of reminded me of the father-son dynamic. Oh, okay. You're talking about Yondu's threat to yes, Peter Quill when he's going, to, he eat him. going to Yes, okay, okay. I could have eaten you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We threat, saw that in threat, the first threat. movie. Yeah. Didn't even cut off a finger. I realized that that's a very common father-son relationship dynamic. Mm. I mean, my father and my brother, my father always said, you little shit, you know, and it was kind of in a fun way. Mm. If you were It wasn't paying... a threatening way. No, yeah. but if you were paying attention, you knew it was fun and loving. But if you weren't and you didn't know us, you'd be like, what the hell is going sure. on here? Yeah. So I really love that they... They did that, and Yondu and Peter's moment together at the end well, let's, was... Well, let's back up. Let's back up and give some context. So what you're talking about is one but of the things... But these are spoilers. Yes, we're in the spoilers uh, section, so we can do this. So what they're, okay. what you're talking about is it's revealed that Yondu, he kidnapped Peter Quill from Earth. He was actually sent to uh, retrieve Peter Yes. From his, by his dad, played by Kurt Russell... Um, who's a character named Ego, and he was intended to retrieve Peter for Ego and bring back to Ego's planet, right? Ego, the living planet, if you're familiar with the comics. But what ended up happening was Yondu ended up just, just going off and keeping Peter for himself. The excuse that we heard is because Peter was small and, and, and could really be helpful with thieving. But we learn, in actuality, Yondu knew that there was a chance that Peter might die if he was served to his father, Ego, because Ego had actually created a bunch of different children who disappointed him and killed every one of them. Yeah, this is really upsetting too, but okay. And so Yondu became actually a father figure in his own way for Peter Quill. And that's all kind of revealed and crystallized during the last half of the film. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. I thought that was fantastic. One of our son's favorite lines is, I'm Mary Poppins. Right, right. (laughs) I just (laughs) like... Yeah, there's a moment when Yondu is doing something and Peter (laughs) says, you look like Mary Poppins. And he's like, is he cool? And he's like... (laughs) Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's like, I'm Mary Poppins, (laughs) y'all. It was just so great. The nanny in me was very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff like that. I loved the sisters. I love that Nebula. Gamora Nebula, yeah. Yeah, I love that Nebula is showing why she is the way she is. This is what didn't quite click for me. But go ahead and tell tell Mm -hmm. why this worked for you. Maybe it worked for me because this is the usual female dynamic is you have two sisters. One was less well-treated than the other growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, One was favored, you could say. Yes, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. Turns out the one was trying to survive. the The other one was trying to show how much she cared by taking the hits, taking the replacements of her body parts as punishment you know so maybe that's why it appealed to me maybe that's why i was fine with it because that's usually the trope in films with sisters i guess it just nebula doesn't ever strike me as someone who believably like takes something for for another person you know and uh i really kind of 
I had a hard time swallowing that aspect, and all of a sudden, you know, she's just this hurt little girl. I think if you look at the first film yeah. and see how her father treats treats her, and oh, I totally know what moment you're talking about. Well, I mean, look at that, and look at when she is speaking to the villain about how she can help, and Gramora steps in. Yeah. And you can totally see that she's completely and utterly hurt. She's not just this bad person. So I'm glad that they clarified how she's not a bad person. Yeah. I know it doesn't work for you, but that, that worked for me. Yeah. I, I think she's totally fine being just a bad person and, and, and she's just an angry, angry, bitter person. And, and that's, that's all I needed to know. Yeah. And I was totally fine with her being a character that gets killed off. She doesn't in this movie, to be clear. Uh, now that we're in spoilers. And now I've actually seen an article. I always saw the headline. I haven't had a chance to read it, but they're like, if they're going to make Guardians of the Galaxy spinoffs, would you like to see a Nebula movie? And I really wouldn't. I think, like, she, among other characters, is fine as part of a group dynamic, but not on her own. Uh, I really wouldn't care. And, I mean, this is a really, like, Nebula as a comic character, I don't even think she's ever going to have her, her own title. Like, no one's really cared that much about that character. There isn't that much meat to that bone, you know? You know, there's one moment in the film where Gramora is like, you know, Thanos is doing this to other girls. Right. You can help. I think that's the where the thought is coming from about the sponsor. Look, oh. if... If they did that, if they did it right, if yeah. they got the right people to make it, I think it could be magnificent and it could really speak to possibly what's still happening with human trafficking in the real world right now. So maybe it could be really significant and maybe it could be really powerful. That sounds more like a TV series than a movie. Well, whichever, whatever. Anyway, I really enjoyed Drax and mm-hmm. Jeff has heard this for like the fifth time now, but my favorite line was how... He spoke about the impregnation of his mother and how his father would share it every winter solstice. And he was just so proud of it that he existed. And where he came from was that relationship and that impregnation and how everybody else has a problem and hangups. And it was just this really fun, oh, you know, you've got a foreigner coming into America. Usually a foreigner is more opener. Yeah. It is more open, and the Americans are the prudes. So it was really hilarious, and it just makes me Google. Yeah, it's a funny moment, but more interesting is here his dynamic with the new character Mantis, uh, who mm. is a servant of egos. We learn she has the ability to. She's an empath, so she has the ability uh, to feel people's feelings, like a telepath can be aware of people's thoughts she and drax kind of connect in a way they don't overdo it it's not like this overwrought love subplot or anything well, i think just but they do he's like, so transparent well and also i think the writing is just really clever anytime there's a moment they 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 like undercut it you know in some way mm-hmm. and so they don't over they don't oversell anything including this relationship with mantis you know um, but it is sweet at times and you could totally see the possibility of something happening there 
between them. And I, I actually kind of like that character, and she actually, you kind of think, well, she's an empath. What the heck could she possibly do that would be of any good, um, any help, you know, as a team hello. member? And she ends up doing something that is actually helpful. Really significant. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. What would you think of Kurt Russell as Ego? Of his acting? Yeah, in general, as, the, as that character in him. You know, I have to see the movie again. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I was particularly fond of this character. Really? I mean, I felt like he was a he was a good bad guy. Okay. Kind of fun to have someone who slept with the whole universe and <laughs> then killed his children, and yeah, uh, now he wants to kill Peter, and he probably could have killed Peter. Oh. Or merged totally. with him. Totally. But when. He spoke about how he was the one that put the tumor in his mother. That anger that came from Peter was just amazing, and that motivation. Oh yeah, you knew that was the end. I was like, are you serious? You could have just kept your freaking mouth shut, and you probably could have gotten what you wanted. So it was kind of this really sweet revenge. I felt like his acting was fine. Um, I wasn't particularly blown away. It's not like he was this Chris Pine being Peter or. Zoe Chris Pratt being, being Peter. Oh, sorry, Chris Pratt. It's okay. I'm just there's so many Chris's in the geek world, so <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was fun. I wasn't like blown away. What yeah. What did you think? I enjoyed him. One of the great things about the trailer is you don't know what the actual story of the movie is, and so you don't actually know that he's the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. You don't know until uh, at least the halfway mark of the movie, uh, maybe uh, 80 minutes in, that he's the villain of the, the movie. When did you know? Well, you know, they start giving you inklings that there's something you don't know that's not right, you know, uh, through the Mantis character. But it wasn't until the... It really isn't until it's trying to reveal it to you that I understood. When he said that the Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yeah. But the love, the life... Quoting the song, the lyrics of the song. Is the sea. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're not a good person. You're not. Why? Why? It was just so conflicting. That, oh, you know, and your mother and Earth and I couldn't go back and I couldn't bear to go back and blah, 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 sob story. Uh, But the love and my life is this planet. Like, no, shut the fuck up. Like, you are a conflicting idiot. Uh, Maybe it's tuition, but intuition. But that's what I got from it. I totally understood all that in a different way. But... And anyway, yeah, I thought that worked pretty well, and I was surprised figured in to the movie as much as it did was the Sovereign, which is like these golden characters that are really high and mighty. And entitled. Yeah, I was really surprised. They're, you know, you think they're going to be just in the first 20 minutes of the movie. No, they end up being a big factor in the rest of the film, and maybe even beyond this film. And they're kind of like these characters that you're like, okay, well, there's, they exist. Um, moving on. And they don't move on from them. <laughs> you know? um, they want to be part of the action, too. Yeah, I guess. I did enjoy how, like, they have these remote 
um, spacecrafts. Gosh. And the way they play this whole thing is, is hilarious because it's like it's a video arcade. They don't even go physically there. They're no, so yeah, it's beneath all them. Yeah, but it's like a, a video <laughs> arcade, the way they have these these people, <laughs> you know, doing these these uh, virtual spacecrafts. It's like all the bullies then... at your school are these people now. <laughs> well, I don't know, but it, it, it felt like... Okay, James Gunn is a guy who grew up in arcades, probably, mm-hmm. in that, ar- that, that time when arcades were popular. Mm-hmm. And he brought that feeling to those scenes yes. where people were, you're doing really well, you know, you're surviving, and you are almost got the bad guy and in the, the video game. all the people are watching All the people you. are crowding to see if you... Oh, you know, and they're cheering you do. on. And then, oh, you died! Oh, <laughs> and you everybody's suck. disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, ever have a moment like that in the arcade? No, I mean, you know, if I did go to the arcade, I, I went on my own and breaks from work or something like that because I used to work in a mall. But I know it, I know of what he, what that is. And uh, it was just a really hilarious touch. Really quickly, because we're starting to, uh, we need to wind up our, our main event. Okay. But there's five, ta- five credit sequences. Um, probably the most in any Marvel movie so far. Almost overkill. What was It's your... not overkill. Nobody listened to Jeff about that. <laughs> uh, okay, so just really quickly, what was your favorite? Okay, I can't give you one because I'm really glad that Stanley got to be in it twice. Oh, his cameo is it, pretty clever. I know how important that is for him, so I'm really glad that yeah. he was in there twice. Yeah. And then seeing Groot older was, again, it's really appealing and it's really funny. But that being said, I don't need to see Groot as a teenager at that stage <laughs> in a movie. I don't. I deal with that on a daily basis most yeah. of the time. I don't need to deal with it in my escape with watching Guardians of the Galaxy. I will say it was funny when when uh, Peter is like, "Gosh, now I know what Yondu." Had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the curse, right? Is when you have your own kids, you know exactly how your parents right. felt. <laughs> right. For me. They're all fun. They're all enjoyable, but they're mostly uh, frivolous, except for there's only there's only one that actually feels significant in some way, yeah. and that again, ironically, it has to do with the characters I couldn't deal, I could care less about, which is the sovereign. It cuts to the sovereign, and uh, the leader of the sovereigns all really bummed and really annoyed. You know that those. Well, darn, she knows she's gonna get into trouble. Those darn guardian. Well, as far as you knew, she was the leader of the sovereign. No, right? they were gonna speak to the council. The council was waiting. Yes, you learned that in the scene. I was gonna say before that, uh, all you knew okay. was she was the leader of the sovereign, sure. and you find out she has actually someone else to answer to. But she's also like got this stick up her butt about the guardians, and oh gosh, those guardians got away, and I want to crush them. But it all comes up to the reveal of the Sovereign in the movies are the ones that create Adam Warlock, which is a character in the cosmic realm of the Marvel Universe. I'm not terribly familiar with Adam Warlock because I never really read the cosmic side of Marvel Universe, but I was aware of Adam. And so for that to be revealed... It's very um, exciting, and I'm very curious 
uh, how that's going to play into Infinity, I think it's Infinity War, is the next movie. Hmm. Uh, because in the comics, I believe Adam Warlock is powered by an Infinity Stone. Kind of like Vision. Kind of like how Vision is in the, in the movies. I don't think in the comics Vision actually is powered by an Infinity Stone, but I could be wrong. But anyway, that was, that was my favorite. Do you have any final thoughts about the movie? No, it was awesome and I highly recommend it. I agree. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you really won't be disappointed much if you liked the first one, if you liked any of the Marvel movies uh, in the series so far. This is a great way to kick off the summer. It's just great popcorn entertainment. Not the best movie you'll probably see um, ever, but it is a really, really good film. A mm-hmm. lot of fun. All right. That concludes our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Let's move on to our film faves, which is where we count down our 12 favorite movies of a particular topic. The past few episodes, we've been marching through time, counting down our favorite movies of each year. We're going to take a break from that for this episode and focus on a related topic to the uh, main event, superhero movies. So this episode, we're going to count down our 12 favorite superhero movies. And when possible, we're also going to mention when, uh, if a movie is available to stream on Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, or HBO Now. With that, Shannon, would you like to start us off with your number 12 favorite superhero movie? I'm going to make everyone hurl, which means like annoyed and whatever. My number 12 is Suicide Squad. What? (laughs) You're joking. No. There's something about it. Look, they kind of got it all wrong okay okay but there's something about it that appeals to me okay and maybe it's just because of harley quinn mm-hmm. and just because of will smith's character who is that oh dead shot okay maybe it's just because of them but still so yeah. it's at the bottom of the pile but that there it is it's on hbo okay all right i i, I thought that was a fairly mediocre uh, superhero movie. But, alright. I, I will agree. Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie was uh, was definitely a highlight in that movie. Uh, for me, it's Big Hero 6. Oh, cute. Yes, we talked a little bit about uh, Big Hero 6 already in a previous film faves. I'll just again highlight Disney took an obscure team of superheroes from Marvel Comics and made, well, a, a, yet another really good animated film in their late in their run of in their streak that they've been experiencing lately of really good animated films Mm. it's a lot of fun it's the first of theirs that i've seen in a long time where i actually would like to have seen a sequel because the characters Mm. are so enjoyable and i just want to see them do more so yeah a lot of fun and Stanley cameo. Very I know, right? That, right? <laughs> anyway, so that's my number twelve. Like, What's who your... wouldn't want to see that again? Yeah, totally. What's your number eleven? Eleven is Deadpool. It's on mm. HBO to stream, and this was just completely bizarre. And I have spoken about <laughs> this one before. Don't let your kids 
watch it please for heaven's sakes yeah definitely and maybe it's because colossus is in it but i don't care i get to perv over colossus and it's just again just absurd yeah i wish they got the same colossus from the actual x-men movies in it but no i like that he was big and ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) he looked like the comic book poor daniel cudmore (laughs) no he's great (laughs) Uh, my number 11 is M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable, starring Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. I really loved that movie when it really? came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, because, again, it like really spoke to me uh, as being a, you know, being a comic book fan. I really dug this concept of superheroes as like the the quote quote reality of what yeah. that would actually be like. You know, they're not people in suits. They're people who are incognito, who kind of hide out, and they they help help out in ways that you don't necessarily know. You know, but also, uh, you know, if you're a fan like me, you know. There's a villain and there's a hero. There's Batman, there's Joker, there's uh, the X-Men or Professor X, and there's Magneto. You know, there's Superman, there's Lex Luthor. There's a polar opposite dichotomy. And Unbreakable reveals that beautifully. Um, Spoilers for a 17-year-old movie, by the way. You know, uh, so if you haven't seen it... Oh, I, wow, 17. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. I think it, I think we saw there was on HBO yes, uh, now. Yes, So seek it out. From what I hear, you're going to see more from of that movie soon. And that's all I'll say about it. So check it out. It's, it's, it's so good. Go okay. ahead, number 10. So my number 10 is Batman, and that's also available on HBO. 1989's Batman. This is, yes, this is the one where we first got to see Joker, Mm. um, and it was Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. And, oh my God, like, just so great and so controlled in craziness, if that Mm. makes sense. Mm. I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And that's not to, like say that Heath Ledger did a terrible job. He was just no, a no. different kind of Joker. Totally. Absolutely. And Jack Nicholson was just a great example of controlled crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he did a good job of epitomizing the clown prince of crime version of of the Joker. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was, that just, I almost had that on my list. Because um, that's still a lot of fun. That was probably one of the first... Uh, superhero films I got to see maybe I got to see it when I was 14 okay so you saw it way later in your life than when it was released because it it came out when you were like 2 ah I see Yeah, cool very cool my number 10 is Watchmen if you would have asked me in 2009 where this movie would have ranked it would have been a lot higher on the list and what this movie would have brought him (laughs) <laughs> Bro, wink, you know, wink. Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think this is, on one hand, a high, hugely underrated film. On the other hand, I also understand why this film is not as celebrated as it could have been. Begrudgingly, I admit there are a couple laughable moments, particularly the hallelujah 
Leonard Cohen scene. I so, wince yeah. when I see that too. You're not this the only day. one. My brother won't let me play that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was just the worst song choice for what is a very important scene in the in the story. But oh, this is eighty percent great film for me. Hmm. It's not a movie I return to often, but it's a movie that I feel like should have been more successful. I was practically throwing money at it, watching it in the theater and buying every version. Yeah, how many versions do we have? Well, you have the theatrical version, the director's cut version. Then I think, I could be wrong, it cuts to the complete cut. So I think there's three versions. I could be wrong. I'd have to look at our collection again. And and we have all of them. Yes, we have all of them. (laughs) I will say the director's cut works the best. The complete cut is a good example of too much of a good thing. Yeah, I agree. That's literally the director trying to adapt the entire novel. And it doesn't work as much as I thought it would. But... I don't know. I, it, it, I, I really enjoy this film. It's badass. It's awesome. It's If you're a fan of the story, it really adapts that film, that story as best as possible. That's, that's, that's all I'll say about it. Uh, what's your number 10? No, you mean number 9. So. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. So it's V for Vendetta. Nice! Oh Very my good. gosh. This film came out when I think I had just started art. It was 2007. Oh, okay. 2006, maybe. I was about to start my photography year. And we had just learned about the concept of propaganda. And so it was so such great timing. Mm. Um, And I just love Natalie Portman. And Mm. I love the concepts. And I love... Is it Stephen Fry? I think so. Yes. I I love those two people so much. Mm. And it was such a great film. So good. It still works today, I think. I know Alan Moore, the creator, he, he has a lot of... He progresses every movie that's adapted. Some of the time, completely understandable. But I really thought that that was a very good adaptation of his story. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. Very good pick. Very cool. My number nine is this year's Logan. Oh. Yes. So I tried to really limit as much as I as I could movies from particular franchises, but I couldn't I couldn't leave out what is probably the best Wolverine movie ever made, and possibly will ever be made. It's a hard R. It is very <laughs> much what the character should be in a lot of ways. And uh, it does a lot of things that, for someone who's followed the franchise all these years, is very surprising, yet very thrilling. I can't wait to watch it again. I've only seen it once so far. Yes, we I will I can't be. wait to see it again. We will be buying that the day it comes out. Which is soon. I think it comes out this month or next month. May's the best. Nice. Uh, what's your number eight? My number eight was The Dark Knight. Nice. I love Heath Ledger. I think he's amazing. I think he does a great job. Everything else about this film was great. I really enjoyed Hans Zimmer's music in this one. Mm, yeah, his score is, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. I listened to that for a while. I also loved the kind of crazy we were exposed to. Mm. On some level, I felt like it was realistic. And I know that that sounds insane, what's mm. going on in my head. But <laughs> I felt like it was real for Gotham City. Mm. So... I place that one pretty high up. How about you? 
My number eight is Kick-Ass. Now this is a movie I haven't seen in quite some time and I really should check it out, but I think this is also another underrated superhero film that does a lot to play with the conventions of uh, superhero movies. Mm. You know, some people argue that it tries to eat its, uh, have its cake and eat it too. And I think... Whatever. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, they feel like it's trying to criticize superhero movies, but then embraces all the stuff that it's criticizing. Mm. I don't necessarily feel that that's necessarily what it's uh, trying to do. I think it's, it is a superhero movie that is looking at the genre through a particular clever prism. And it's a very violent prism. You know, it shows that superheroes in reality either would get seriously hurt or are actually doing very brutal things. Uh, this is the movie that made, that really blew up Chloe Moretz's uh, career. That was her? As Hit Girl? I yes. need to watch that again. Yeah, see, we both do. And I feel like she hasn't quite paid off very well in recent years on, on, that, on that role. Um... Uh, which is disappointing because she's a really talented actress. Uh, but she was mind-blowing in that movie. Nick Cage gave his first great role in a long time at that time. <laughs> I agree. As Big Daddy. Uh, just the perfect level of batshit. Um, <laughs> you know? And, yeah, there's just a lot of really thrilling and fun stunts. And it's a fun film. So that's my number eight. What's your number seven? So, my number seven is Doctor Strange. Oh, cool. I just, the visuals are fantastic. We okay. just spoke about this one, I believe, last episode or the previous episode. Yeah. So, I'm not going to say ago. too much, but this is the kind of arrogance I like to see. <laughs> you okay. know, where it's like, okay, you are an arrogant prick, but something humbles you right off your ass and mm. it evolves you. Hmm. So, okay. that's really all I have to say about that. I like the comedy in it. Yeah. Um, I love the little moments like when they're in the library and he starts, you know, he's a very fast learner because yeah, yeah. you'd have to be if you did medical school. Never mind surgery. Well, maybe, yeah. So. Yeah, I really look forward to seeing that character again in uh, Marvel movies. Has he got soon. a sequel of his own coming? No, it's not on the slate anytime soon, but he's going to appear in some of the upcoming movies. Okay, so great. we'll see. For me, it's Spider Man 2 which for a while was ah. the best superhero movie ever made. I had a binder with Spider-Man pictures on it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought this film is one of the, still stands up as one of the best superhero films uh, ever made. Doc Ock is adapted really, really well by, by Alfred Molina. Sam Raimi, the director, takes the action to a whole nother level mm. in it. I actually feel like it's the best Spider-Man movie made so far. I agree. Um, out of the five official movies that have oh been gosh. made, we have Spider-Man Homecoming coming up. We haven't seen that yet. That um, poster, by the way, looks amazing. Where he's laying on his back. Yeah. And he's got like a jacket over his superhero uniform. Yeah, that's for Spider-Man Homecoming. But Spider-Man 2, I think, is a great time. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I think it really does a lot to further that franchise. I wish it paid off better in Spider-Man 3, but oh well. Sometimes you peek at number 2. What is your number 6? 
Well, so far, I think everything we've mentioned is available on DVD. Yes, yeah, um, so far, none of my movies are available to stream except Unbreakable on HBO. Yeah, so before mentioning HBO movies, everything else is DVD. So mine is Logan. Oh, cool. It ranks pretty high for me. I just loved how gritty it was. And mm-hmm. maybe I also think it's hilarious that we thought, oh, well, maybe we can take our son to it. And no. You thought that. <laughs> well, I thought, let's just see, you mm. know. And it was like, the, it was a hard no. Okay, well, maybe it's just the scene. And again, no. Okay, no, cool. Yeah, no. That's a brutal film. <laughs> yeah. It was really good, though. And I loved 13. Oh, X-23. Mostly known as Lauren in the yes. movie. X-23 was amazing. And I thought yeah. that that was... She was just... Like, if it wasn't so violent, I'd take my little kid to go see her, you know? That's how badly I want... Well, yeah, she's like Hit Girl if Hit Girl wasn't over the top and kind of oh, tongue-in-cheek. hilarious. You know, if, <laughs> if Hit Girl was really more grounded and, like, serious real, that's X-23. Yeah. So, um, that's my fun. number six. What's yours? Mine is The Rocketeer from 1991, I believe. A Disney film, Touchstone Pictures... Based on the comics by, I believe, Dave uh, Stevens is his name, from Mm -hmm. the uh, 80s. And that was just, you know, it's just a a lot of fun, that movie. I love the score. Mm -hmm. The score is just so good. I wish I knew who did that score, uh, because you hear that theme song, and I I can hear it in my head right now. It just gets stuck in your head. It's not Danny Elfman or someone like that. I'd have to look it up. But also, coincidentally, it's directed by Joe Johnston, who went on way later, 20 years later, to do Captain America the First Avenger. Ah. He he did a few clunkers, but that was definitely one of his highlights. A really good movie. Billy Campbell is perfectly cast. Alan Arkin. And of course... The always gorgeous Jennifer Conley mm-hmm. in 1940s era, so she, uh, in Hollywood, so she gets to wear the the really beautiful dresses and have the makeup and the hair and everything. <laughs> we all know what you like now. Well, <laughs> and, I mean, to be fair, the character is actually modeled. The original character is modeled after Betty Page. She's kind of like yes. a Betty, Betty Page type. Mm-hmm. You know, Jennifer Conley is perfectly cast uh, for that character. I don't know. Did she have the curves that Betty Page has? doesn't matter what matters um, is it works the character works don't agree. she's really good all um, right we're moving on <laughs> number five for me is Watchmen. Mm. you know when iron man iron man came out i was like fuck superhero films it's obviously not worth, <laughs> you know all this wanting and desiring awesome superhero films and then Watchmen came out yeah and that really pulled me back into that culture mm. and i even included it in my thesis comparing silk specter generation one and generation two comparing that depiction of woman mm. over time and I mean, it was really my first love. And again, you know, time is non-linear. So there we go. Points for Shanna. What is your number five? Number five for me is X-Men Days of Future Past. I love that movie. It is almost my favorite X-Men movie. I loved seeing the future side of the story being adapted uh, we talked about this movie recently, so I won't I won't yeah, rehash it too much. Mm. But 
I will say that it was a thrill to finally see the Sentinels adapted after all this time having that teased and just not happening. It was a very good design. I know that you saw a little bit of the Sentinels in X-Men 3, but this really paid it off a lot better. Both future Sentinels and original Sentinels were really cool. Peter Dinklage as Boulevard Trask was really well cast. I don't know, man. It's it's uh it's not a perfect movie, but it oh, is... I was gonna say it's just such a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Again, there's issues with continuity and the end, the very end. There's like a particular shot I really, really, really wish oh, they'd yeah. done without yeah. uh, because it doesn't even make sense. They don't pay it off in the follow following movie or the following Wolverine movie. But you gotta love that movie. Days of Future Past. What's your number four? Avengers Age of Ultron. We just Mm. spoke about this recently, but again, you know, I just, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really great film and huge fan of Spader's work. Yeah, Spader. Yeah. So that was really fun for me. And then, you know, you have Andy Serkis, who actually looks like Andy Serkis somewhat. (laughs) And (laughs) acting like a South African and just getting all the mannerisms down. Like, if you ever wanted to know what, like... uh, a sort of typical South African man could appear to be like, mm-hmm. you know, go ahead and watch that. And yeah. it's just a, like, just take it with a grain of salt, you know. Well, it's also a really good example of how you can take a C-level villain that's not very well known and, and do something uh, pretty good with it. And I, I, he's also someone who hasn't paid off yet, but I'm hoping with next year's Black Panther he will. Oh, apparently, that'll be great. Is he in it? I, I don't know. I just know, I know a lot of people are in it, but I do know that also the uh, Claw is his name. He is a Black Panther villain. Okay. What is your number four? My favorite X-Men movie, X2. I do feel like this is a perfect movie. <laughs> I do feel like it is the best X-Men movie still. The one with the least amount of issues, the yeah. least amount of flaws. This is before the continuity got all fucked up with uh, the X-Men series. Before anybody else got their hands on the X-Men series, Brian Singer directed this film. Basically... You know, the predecessor of the original X-Men movie was like a 90-minute uh, prologue to this movie, where the fun really begins. I really feel like we need to have another X-Men marathon so I can reevaluate my yeah. t- my rankings. Well, and the thrill of this movie was seeing the, the mansion being invaded, and you get all these quick cameos of all these mutant characters that you've been looking forward to seeing on screen you know and 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 colossus actually gets to do uh gets to have his moment yes that was fun and every fan's like oh come on take colossus with you You (laughs) no but it's it's uh really good and they further the uh, wolverine storyline and that storyline works really well you have Deathstrike. You have just a bunch of really cool characters uh, without overstuffing things. I have uh, to agree. They did do that very well. Nightcrawler also. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's my favorite Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And he's done uh, really well. So, yeah, that's my number four, man. Okay, so my number three is the Avengers movie. This was our first film together. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how much of a geeky experience it was. We went with a bunch of friends and 
the moment where Scarlett Johansson is being interrogated, or rather, she's interrogating. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A friend of ours shouts, "That's hot!" in this <laughs> cinema, and everybody in the cinema just packs out laughing (laughs) and you know the paranoid south african in me was like oh my god we're all gonna get kicked out no like everybody was really enjoying the movie together Mm. so it was a really good experience for everyone yeah and again it was kind of like my new invitation into that world Mm. right 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 i really loved that one yeah okay well my number three is the dark knight it is my one Batman movie on the list. If you're, if I had to pick a favorite Batman movie, this would be the one. I think a lot of people would agree. It's uh, transcended the superhero genre to just being a damn good crime film. Period. Mm. And it, you know, I think one of the things a lot of people forget about is how fun the movie is. Oh, I forget about how fun the movie is. I guess the pencil scene is just really magnificent. Well, really, just like you know, you think about the action scenes. You know, like when there, when there's the the, the trucks and the truck, and you know, all of the going through the city streets and everything. You know, it's actually really thrilling and a lot of fun. Um, I guess and, that part where he bombs the hospital and the, the button isn't right, working. Right, yes. That was yeah. really there's, hilarious. There's a lot of great scenes. <laughs> and, you know, at the same time, you have this really great Michael Mann-esque bank robbing scene that opens the film. You have also uh, Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent. And you get Two-Face uh, paying off in the movie. And I was always really blown away by the effects of Two-Face and how real that looked to me at the time. And I was actually at the time really wondering, how the hell did they do that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a great film. It is a great superhero film. Uh, it may be still the best superhero movie, and I'm confident it will stand as the best Batman movie for quite a while. It's my number three favorite superhero movie. What's your second favorite? So my second favorite is X-Men Days of Future Past. Ah, shouldn't be surprised because this was your second favorite movie in a recent uh, film faves too. Yes, that's right. Third, if you remember, I couldn't decide between who was the best one for the number one slot. Yeah. Yes, I love this film. I could go on and on and on. You get to see Colossus all shiny and pretty for a little while. Now, I do prefer the rogue cut. Yes, the road cut is yeah. better. If you can, go seek out the road cut, not the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. So that's another one where we have both versions as well. Yes. And I just, I love the poster. I love the effects. I love Quicksilver. He's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. Oh my God, that scene is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I just love the, the two different... I don't want to say franchises, but it's essentially the two different timelines, right? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, you got the... the two f- different movie franchises. You got the first class, and yeah. you got the original, and they try to merge them together into yeah. one. And yeah. just seeing all those actors together, all those characters together, is just thrilling to me. And mm. that is my favorite X-Men comic book as well. Yeah, The Days of Future Past, that's right. Yeah, yeah we recently read through over 20 comic stories of X-Men over 30 so, years. After reading and completing that, you know I pause each scene that happens in the school to make sure I'm not missing any 
people mm. that any characters that are making cameo appearances mm. what is your number two the avengers is this, it because it's our first film together that definitely helps <laughs> but mostly though i will admit it's because they pulled off what would never have been dreamed of years ago they managed to bring a bunch of different characters from different movies together and make them click and it is so thrilling and Joss Whedon is so damn clever with his writing and how he does the character dynamics there but also you get some really exciting moments where the camera is swooping through and watching like the different characters doing different things in a fight in a battle you know and it's just one continuous cut that swoops around and it's really epic and you know oh watching it for the first time it's the kind of thing that it just um, overwhelms you almost to tears as a fanboy. Yeah, watching your face yeah, during yeah. that film yeah. is just so much fun. Every once in a while, a movie comes along that can still do that uh, for me. And we'll get to another movie that does that in a minute. But what is your favorite superhero movie? Guardians. Guardians, Guardians really is... My number one. I love how authentic the characters are. I love that they don't hold back from being real. Mm-hmm. I love that they're so fucked up. They've <laughs> all got problems. Yeah. So many, even Groot, mm. adult Groot, has problems, mm-hmm. has issues. And they're not shying away from it. They're not trying to act like, oh, no, everything's fine. Everything's just fine. No. Everything is not fine. That's life, okay? You have these moments where things are just shit. And I just love how authentic they are. It helps that I love the soundtrack. It. Oh, yes, you do. So much. In the shower, all the time. Yeah. And in the car, too. So I just have a great love for that film. Mm. And I love Grimora. I love that she's totally kick-ass and fights for her life she doesn't just lay down or feel sorry for herself she doesn't have time yeah and i feel like that's something that we need to see more of Mm. in film and media so yeah that's my number one it's a great pick it's a lot of fun i just couldn't fit it onto my list so my number one well you have 12 spots there why couldn't it be on there (laughs) they're just they're just uh i mixed it up let's just put it that way Mm. But my favorite superhero movie right now is Captain America Civil War. Mm. And it gave what the Avengers gave and more. I mean, my jaw was on the floor. I was flipping out as a comic book fan during the airport sequence. Seeing all these heroes together on the screen, running at each other, and again, mixing the different uh, character dynamics of who's fighting who, who's paired up with who. And then, and then, then you have Ant-Man in his second appearance. He pulls the coup de grace and, like, (laughs) pulls a giant man uh, trick. And you're just like, holy shit, oh my god. 
That was amazing. And then, of course, Spider-Man plays off of it so well. Spider-Man oh, plays off of everything, out. you know? That Spider-Man, like, as much as I love the Tobey Maguire sp- Spider-Man, mm-hmm. dude, this Spider-Man's really flipping cool, man. I really yeah. look forward to seeing more of him. I hope his movie doesn't suck because he's really cool. <laughs> Way to stay positive. They do a really great job. They actually did a really great job with his powers, mm-hmm. um, his the way he fights, the way he uses his webbing, the way he won't shut up while he's fighting. Yes, he's just such a freaking kid. It's yeah, great. he's a highlight in that movie. They were not kidding when um, the buzz was coming out about that movie and, and they were saying he was a highlight of that movie. Um, I could go on and on and on and talk totally geek out about this film and that's what you should be able to do with a superhero film that you (laughs) love and that is definitely the case with captain america civil war it is the one movie on my list other than unbreakable that is available to stream it is on netflix streaming so that concludes our favorite superhero films and our film faves section. It also starts to conclude our uh, episode. There's a couple of things I've been meaning to um, address that I have been forgetting. First of all, I have to give credit to Shannon. If you have been looking at or, or listening to our episodes on uh, SoundCloud, you've noticed there is a logo that we have. We've had it since the first uh, episode oh, you're was thanking released. me for the logo. That logo is thanks to Shanna. She That's created so that. The photo credit is actually uh, Victor... What's his last name? Oh, it is Victor Zerga. Victor Zerga. And he's a fantastic wedding and engagement photographer in the Seattle area. Yes, so you should be able to find him. I think victorzerga.com, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. But he's uh, he deserves a photo credit. Shanna cre- took that and created a fantastic logo. She's also going to help with improving the, uh, the website, the gibsonreview.com. Uh, hopefully, starting in, uh, in a week from now, oh, is it? you'll start to see <laughs> slowly some improvements on the website. That's going to be all thanks to Shanna as well. I wanted to give her the credit and the shout out uh, for that. Where can we find you on the internet, Shanna? So you can find me at shannapaxton.com. That's two N's, an A at the end of that. And then Paxton is X. P-A-X-T-O-N. That's right. And then on Instagram, you can find me at womans, that's the singular, underscore journey, underscore two, as in T-O, underscore empowerment. Very cool. You can find me at thegibsonreview.com where you'll find past reviews and lists. You can also go onto Facebook, like the Facebook page, The Gibson Review. You'll also find me on Flickchart. If you're on Flickchart, you can see the uh, 3,200 or so movies I've seen on there at The Gibson 99. Next time on The Movie Lovers, I think we will be reviewing wonder woman if i'm not mistaken which is one of our most ex uh oh no i apologize i'm jumping oh, you got me really excited for heaven's sake i apologize i'm jumping um an episode ahead i think we'll be talking about summer movies coming out That's so right. memorial day weekend will be coming about at that time so we'll be talking about summer movies and i think counting down our favorite movies of 2013, if I'm not mistaken. So keep an eye out for that. That should be coming out at the end of the month. Uh, In the meantime, I'm Jeff Gibson. And I am Shanna Paxton. 
Keep loving the movies, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.